everybody, welcome to Take the Black Live, the one and only pop culture show on the internet where all of our opinions are always right. I am Dan Selke, the editor at winterscoming.net, and who am I here with? Well, this is Mia Johnson, entertainment editor over at fansighted.com, and we have a special guest today. I'm Daniel <laughs> DeVita, and I've been nerding out on Westworld over at winterscoming.com, along with a bunch of other stuff, and really happy to be here today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're, we're pleased. Nerding out on Westworld, Final Fantasy, Wheel of Time. You've been writing great stuff, so I, I, I really wanted to have you on, kind of because you did our Westworld reviews. Um, on Wick, and I figured it's been like a, about a week and a half since the since the season ended, and I wanted to have like one final break it down and just kind of have it out because you had a, a different opinion about it than I than I definitely did. I'm not sure, and Mia maybe part way through. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. And just Westworld, so okay, it's in its third season. It's a big, expensive sci-fi show on HBO. Robots gain sentience. They try and take over the world. Possibly, we're not sure where it's going. Um, what did you think of this third season overall, Daniel? Did it satisfy and meet your expectations of what you wanted out of this um, next leg of the robot killing journey? Um, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> so I there's some things I really loved about this season were the world building. Um, I'm a sucker for like really well-developed sci-fi and fantasy worlds. And I think they put a ton of effort into like adding in little bits of technology and just like lots of nuances into how they portrayed the real world. So I loved that. Mm -hmm. um, I think where I struggled a little bit was actually with the characters. I wish that they had taken like a tiny bit of the effort that they put into the world building and put a little bit more into like, the, the character arcs, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the season. I don't know. I'm torn, but if I liked it better or worse than season two, season one, still my favorite so far. Sure. Which I think is that. kind of like the across yeah. the board favorite, probably. Uh -huh. it, I, I think that's probably your favorite Mia, right? It's definitely my favorite. Yeah, I think there. I feel like there's always to me nothing like the original. And then I feel like almost for anything, when you go around for season two or like a second movie, they take that the original and either try to make it better or it's kind of like on par. But then for me, and I feel like for me, I always feel like this happens in season three or movie three. They try to get kind of experimental. And it kind of has like the DNA of what you know. And to me, that's how the season of Westworld felt like it was like it had kind of like the blueprint of it all. But I would say my personal thing was I just love the whole theme of it being in a park and it being, you know, um, this Western basically sort of show. So for that, I think it, it was like not as big as a draw for me this season, unfortunately. <laughs> I agree with you, Daniel, about... Um that there were some cool details they got in. Like, you pointed out, like, things in your reviews, like, the idea of, like, the police car that can, like, kind of hack into your system and just pull you over automatically. That's, a like, a yeah. cool sci-fi future detail, right? And it's yeah. neat that they thought of that stuff, but I also completely agree to you with that, like, that, like, that, like, like the, for me, the, like, minute-to-minute -minute narrative of 
who are we invested in? What are they doing? I, I, I gotta say, I was at a, a pretty big disconnect like the whole time from, I love the fact that you're exploring like what drone warfare will be like in the year yeah. 2060 or whatever, but I do not really care about Dolores's quest to do whatever exactly it is she was doing, which we didn't really find out what it was. I'm still not entirely 100% sure to destroy humanity, but also save it. And Caleb has to be the one to do it. Yeah, I'm also a little unclear on that. Yeah. So yeah, I like, I, 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 like we said about fun um, imagination, but maybe not um, the best, like, just traditional, straightforward story or narrative. Yeah. Yeah, I think, so Dolores's motive was like one of my, it's like a really great example of the sort of like character, like glossing over issues that they did a little bit <laughs> this season, because it really, by the end, they made it clear that her kind of clear that her motive was like freeing humanity from its loops. But like, why would she care enough to do that? Um, her arc in the previous two seasons was pretty clear. Like she gained enough sentience to wake up. Uh -huh. And then her goal is to save all the other hosts and get them out of the park. But then it's a long leap from there, from saving her fellow robots from a, a park that's abusing them to, I'm going to save the people who are abusing us. So yeah, that was the sort of thing that I wish they had taken a little bit more time with. And I, I worry that, uh, like, like the trend of shorter seasons with longer Ooh. episodes kind of factors into that somehow um, because we lose a lot of the little like quiet character moments um, mm -hmm. like conversations between her and Caleb that would flesh out a little bit more like why they're trusting each other like what the motives are so, sure yeah I don't know it was a, it was a weird season for Westworlds because they got beyond the park finally okay. so we're where do they go from there? Yeah. That's a good As question. A, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Along those lines then for like season, I guess four. And I feel like I, I know we all kind of know the answer to this, but is Dolores going to come back? Can they just leave, you know, uh, their biggest star out of this and be like, no, it's fine. You know, you don't need to see her. She's, you know, off in a computer or something. <laughs> I mean, uh, really quick, some comments really fast. We're getting oh, okay. Ju Julie did like uh, the robot body on Dolores and Philip, so which is very, very cool. I agree. And Jen just says, hi, Zen and Mia. Hi, Jen. How you doing? I thought it was more revenge, more than wanting to save anyone. This how it kind of appeared for a while when they kind of pivoted. Um, yeah, Dolores, coming back for season four. I feel like this show, especially now I can see it, has a bit of an aversion to getting rid of anybody forever. Um, which, you know when you can bring folk back because they're all robots, it must be so easy and kind of a, um, yeah. an instinct you want to act on. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure Dolores will come back in some form or another. I mean, if she comes back at all, does that undercut what I thought was one of the better moments of the season, which I did like the finale. Okay. Which I don't think you did very much, Daniel, at least you had more qualms than I did. Cause I, yeah. Cause, <laughs> cause I felt something. I, I, I felt something when she died. And I felt something when um, she was, her, her memories were erased. And, and I didn't really feel a lot for a lot of the season. Does it undercut that scene if she does come back? Even if it's as like 
I don't know, a faceless drone or something? I think, I think it depends a lot on how they bring her back. Cause it's kind sure. of similar to Anthony Hopkins in the first season um, where it's like, if they just straight brought him back, would it take away? Probably honestly, but if they can find some way to do it where, you know, she's giving a character advice in like some incorporeal way, like maybe that wouldn't be quite as bad, but I feel like if they really want Dolores's death to stick and hit hard like they kind of have to commit to killing her off sure. <laughs> that's my opinion which is hard because evan rachel wood is like under contract and yeah. it's just like when like when contracts interact with good storytelling decisions and who can win out it's very interesting that way that way that happens Me, yeah. On that? yeah you know it's interesting that you say you had like an emotional reaction i won't say my reaction was so opposite, but it's almost like a <laughs> ding dong, the wicked witch is dead. kind of. <laughs> Cause I really, I would say I didn't feel anything leading up to her whole journey to sympathize for her in season three. I mm-hmm. will say if that had happened in season one or two, because we were kind of familiar with her cause and familiar with what she was trying to do, it would have felt a little more bittersweet. But in this, it was like I was really trying to grasp onto why I should be, you know, caring about what she cares about. Or, right. Um, I think I'm also very bitter about there being no Teddy and very little Bernard. <laughs> so I was like, maybe that'll make space for at least some more Bernard in the season. That I was a little. I hope so. N- I don't know the word is <laughs> aghast at. Like, th- yeah. they didn't use Bernard much at all. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, just. He's a very talented actor, and he didn't really have much to do except give exposition. My real thing, though, was with Ed Harris as the man in black. Like, now that we know where that went, and just spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, uh, he's kind of unceremoniously um, neck uh, sliced yeah. at the very end. I-, I could, like, why did they bring him back at all? Like, because they gave him an arc, like, you're going to kill all the, 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 the hosts. And then he doesn't get to act on it. He just dies. <laughs> and I got to ask, like, yeah. is it because you wanted to see Ed Harris on the screen? Like, I want to see Ed Harris on the screen, too. But I don't know. Not like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're going to have Ed Harris on the screen they will. next season, presumably. As so, uh, yeah, I, I felt like that was like a very like George R. R. Martin sort of thing to do, like give him this arc where he's realizing his life's purpose is to go around and correct his wrongs. And then he just dies immediately. Um, <laughs> it was a little weird, even though the scene with all of the different iterations of William was probably like my favorite scene of the season. Oh, yeah. I loved that. Um, yeah, it was, it was a weird arc. It felt oh, like an odd epilogue to William's story. Because he had such a full, like, thing of the first two seasons. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to see where they go with that. Because now he's paired up with the Charlotte Dolores. Which is kind of like an odd karmic thing. Looking back on the first episode where he's attacking Evan Rachel Wood. And now they're, like, partners in crime. Odd. (laughs) Although, again, we're not really sure, like, what he is exactly. Is he, like, the... robot version of the man in black is he william but fully has all the fidelity we're not really sure yet and we'll, yeah. we'll find out in 2023 whenever the next season comes out. 
to me that feels like <laughs> kind of like the the on-screen version of like just hitting the backspace button being like oh god what have we created we need to like go back to what everybody likes so <laughs> like we don't know what we did in season three but why don't we just kind of wheel it on back for season four <laughs> By the way, Jen, ask about the Game of Thrones spinoff. We will talk about that briefly in a minute. First, let's finish up the Westworld discussion. Um, oh, and Julie says, it does get a bit hard to sympathize with them when you know they can come back. It's not like a final death. Which, um, yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, I'm like never quite as in as much fear for even like Teddy. Like when he mm-hmm. gets, when he kills himself. Like he still gets to go to heaven anyway, robot heaven anyway. It, it is a little hard <laughs> yeah. to... Um, it's harder, I mean, to sympathize yeah. with a being who is beyond human. But, you know, they can give it a whirl. Again, I, I felt bad for Dolores at the end. What do you guys think of, um, oh, his name, Vincent Sarah. Cassell as a yeah, yeah. <laughs> our new evil Anthony Hopkins, who um, has built a company that determines human life with his advanced algorithm and must be toppled at all costs. Yeah. I'll let Daniel go first since I kind of gave my thoughts last week. I'll, I'll share them once again. <laughs> okay. Um, I wasn't crazy about him. I really liked Vincent Cassell's acting in the show. Sure. Yeah. Um, there were a couple of scenes where I thought he really killed it, but I didn't feel like he had the material to really rise into the role that like Anthony Hopkins had or Ed Harris had in previous seasons. So, I don't know. He was okay. Um, <laughs> I thought it was really interesting, though. There was an interview recently that I think we had up on the site where he talked about, uh, Vincent Cassell talked about how he, when he got pitched the role, uh-huh. most of the stuff they pitched him hasn't been in the show yet. So that gives me hope yeah. that they're going to go somewhere really good with him because mm-hmm. I think he is most likely still around. Yeah, he probably is. I mean, the TV rule is if you don't see them like literally get beheaded on screen, they're probably still around. Yeah. <laughs> and he like got nicked by a samurai sword yeah. and then just kind of didn't show up again. So he's probably still around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mia, what'd you think? Yeah. To me, I, I liked where it was going in the beginning. Cause it was kind of, you really didn't know what his whole purpose was, but I think I, as I said, kind of last week, it really sort of crept into super villain territory where it's like, he wants to take over the whole world. He wants to correct the whole world. He wants to get rid of all the bad. It's like Thanos already did that in Avengers. We kind of, we, we went through that <laughs> song and dance already. So it, I, I think the reason the Anthony Hopkins thing kind of worked is because he like, wasn't really the big bad. You could kind of like be like, well, you know, he's acting in this self-interest or this person's interest. Uh, but it, it just, when it kind of ballooned to that, grand master plan to me i w- it was like a, a face palm moment i was like ah we're really <laughs> we're really going this route huh <laughs> he, he, he did suffer from kind of um middle book syndrome or middle villain syndrome or not like you know, he's, he's kind of a lesser <laughs> totally. version of hopkins but i mean he was he was fine and, and i like that's cell any thoughts on what you like to see next season if there is one, which there is, um, it's renewed. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to see Maeve have a bit more, a, a yeah. bit more of a, like, mm-hmm. yeah, she's like always been my favorite character on the show. And I think they've done a lot of really interesting things with her. 
So it would be great to have her have a, a story that made a little more sense. I had a real hard time <laughs> buying her motivation this season for like yeah, they really had to like twist it, didn't they, to get yeah. her to do what they wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I'd also I feel like they had a little bit of like a John Connor vibe with um Caleb in the last episode where like everybody huh. was calling him sir and stuff. It reminded me a lot of Terminator. Interesting. So I'd be curious to see like if they're going to go a sort of like robot war route now that we mm-hmm. know that Charlotte can make as many hosts as she wants. So I don't know. That's where I'm hoping things will go. I almost would be upset if they didn't do robot war. I mean, it, that feels like the promise of the show from the start. Like, yeah. Kill all yeah. human style robots. But Mia, how about you? What'd you like to see? Yeah, that definitely seems kind of on par with what we would expect. I thought even maybe that would be what season three is more about, but it was really just more like Dolores. Uh, so what I would like to see, I don't know. I, I did say I would like to see things return to the park or return, you know, like maybe that's just where the uh-huh. wars kind of happen. And I mean, yeah, that almost kind of happened in season two as well. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely like to see more Maeve kind of actually having her own motivations and not just being, you know, like a puppet on a string that seemed, I wouldn't say completely out of character, but definitely like, okay, that, you know, that's what we're reducing her to. Um, and definitely I want more Bernard cause I love, you know, the duality between him and Arnold and working that whole thing out. And then it just seemed like he really got reduced to shreds as well. So I'm like, bring up the supporting cast. We can do this. <laughs> and you know, if, yeah. if Dolores really is dead or what, w- yeah, whatever passes for dead when you're a robot, maybe they'll have to rely on supporting cast more. Yeah. But again, and we probably won't see a new so. season between this show being very expensive and coronavirus mm-hmm. for, I don't know. I don't want to think about how long. So they'll have lots of time to uh, make sure what out. they want to do is detailed. Yeah. All right. Anybody else yeah. other, other other final final thoughts, Daniel, on Westworld in general? Uh, man. Well, whatever qualms I may have had with this season, uh-huh. uh, it was still awesome to have such a a good thought provoking sci fi show on a big network like HBO. Yeah. I love that as a trend. And I hope that we keep getting stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I'll watch next season. I'll look forward to it. Give I me more to. Bernard wrangling <laughs> with his humanity. That was like my favorite stuff of this season was Bernard and Stubbs. So more of that, please, Westworld. That would be really nice. I, yeah. I would love that. Daniel, thanks for coming by. This is really cool. Yeah, thank um, you. I hope you <laughs> come on other times to discuss other things because you seem like a, uh, a deep resource of nerdish knowledge, and I'd like to tap it. <laughs> the That's well. a nice way of putting it. Yeah, we're going to go with that. Perfect. <laughs> I'll probably think those word choices, but, you know, I have a long time to think about it. All right, thanks so much for coming by, and we'll see you later. All right, thanks for having me. Take care. All right. All right, everybody, um, we're going to do a little transition thing here. And I think, Jen, you asked up there if there were any um, updates on the Game of Thrones prequel show. Um, the basic answer is no, uh, there are not. There probably won't be anything substantial for a while. Again, with like with the coronavirus holding everything up 
And with that show being kind of under wraps anyway, th- th- there have been some rumblings, though. Uh, Brian Cogman, an ex-Game of Thrones writer who apparently did work on that show. He just wrote on Twitter. He is a Twitter maniac, by the way, this guy. Mia. He's, I-, I-, I look today. This is He loves Twitter, which is always great for me. Because yeah. always- <laughs> um, he was talking about how apparently he wrote the pilot for the show that would become the show they're making now. But because they developed another show first, they shelved his show. And then while that was happening, he signed a deal with Amazon. And so then when they took his show off the shelf, because that first pilot got, you know, canceled or they didn't go forward with it. Now they're making his idea, but he signed with somebody else, so he's not working on it, which is oh. too bad. He was really good. He was one of um, the really good creative folk with Game of Thrones, uh, but he's working on Amazon stuff. And House of the Dragon continues to be made, oh. and there were damn sure it's about it's about Dance of the Dragons now. He basically he more or less confirmed that on Twitter. We already kind of knew that, but it's now confirmed. Again, I have no idea, and we'll see that either. Probably not for a long while. Like, here's, like, with an S at the end of it, is is my guess. Um, Then again, I know they really want to have programming for HBO Max, which, by the way, comes out in, like, days. Do you realize that? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, we were like, whoa, whoa, we need to be, should we be doing something about this? Should we be writing about this? Do people care? Like, what's... I don't know. It seems like not many. I don't see a lot of press on it. Um, yeah, we're having like a, a mini fire over here. We're like, okay, we're going to get some things out. And if people respond to it, we'll go with it. But if not, then, well, so was the fall of HBO Max. Oh, no. I mean, like, Queeby is already like the fall of Queeby is already kind of happening. Yeah. You hear that Katzenberg, the guy in charge of it, was like, I blame the entire thing on the coronavirus. It's all the coronavirus' oh. fault. Yeah, yeah. Like, if only there were a better way for people to be watching TV and having nothing better to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, take some responsibility for your idea being dumb. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. See, to me, so I'm like exactly. imagining it. In my mind, Kibi is like, they're finally opening the door. They've got the keys to their house. And as soon as they step foot in, <laughs> it's just this cliff. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it's one of those like doors to nowhere. Just, like, open, yeah. like, <gasps> Sorry. That's me. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of folk, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's easy to make fun of that service. Just yeah. because it's, it seems so silly, but um, I mean, it, it, it could have blown up and uh, I don't think that um, schadenfreude is a good emotion to indulge, yeah. usually, even though it's like a natural kind of knee-jerk instinct for all of us human beings. I hope they do well. But yeah, it, 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 it's always a little funny to see somebody like lashing out at something that's kind of irrational. Yeah. David Harris says, HBO Max programming, all the reruns you get from coming to HBO and with Bugs Bunny cartoons Bugs added. Bunny cartoons added. <laughs> oh, David, you oh, cut right. up. And Lisa asked, would HBO Max be worth it? From the ads, it doesn't look like they have shows and movies we can't see anywhere else. Um, that is the question, isn't it? It's an expensive service. And we've said before, like, I think the programming looks pretty good, at least like the older stuff they have. You yeah. know, if you want to watch Friends, you got to go there. If you want to watch the Studio Game movies, you got to go there. Um, anything DC, there's some good stuff, but like enough good stuff to justify the price tag, especially if you already have Netflix and Disney Plus. I don't know about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So we'll see when it launches in like 
this week is it next yeah. week it's yeah it's yeah it sure is may huh <laughs> it definitely is may uh we'll cover that probably on the next show when it happens but before that um or rather after it I thought we'd cover a new show that's coming to Netflix this summer. Mm-hmm. And we've known about it for a while, but they released some new glossy images of it. And I want to touch it because it's kind of like in our wheelhouse. Um, a show called Cursed, which is based on a graphic novel by Tom Wheeler and Frank Miller, who's a big deal in the comics industry. He like did The Dark Knight Returns and mm-hmm. Batman Begins and Sin City and stuff like that. The 300, that was his which is basically what if we told the King Arthur legend, but it was all with young, sexy people. Um, oh, that's one way to put it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, oh, I'm sorry, I'll put it. It's, it's a young adult retelling of the King there Arthur legend. There we go. That's family friendly. There we go. Um, we got, let's see, Catherine Langford, which as from 13 Reasons Why as Nimaway, who in the Arthurian legend is the Lady of the Lake. How familiar with you, Mia, with like the with, with King Arthur stuff are you? Oh man, I know that King Arthur was a king. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All right. So very, very familiar. I got it. I personally am. Because you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're into Lord of the Rings and you're into Song of Ice and Fire, like King yeah. Arthur was kind of like the granddaddy of all of that. Bad wizards and all that stuff. Oh yeah, it, it's like the original um, medieval sword and sorcery kind of legend thing. Yeah, and it's as so many versions. Um, and then we have Devon Terrell as a sexy young King Arthur. Because remember, the the key word here is <laughs> King Arthur, but it's young people, mm-hmm. which is fine, by the way. I mean, I'm okay with it, and. Finally, we have uh, Gustav Sarsgaard. Not sure if he's related to the other Sarsgaards as a sexy young Merlin. I I watched an interview with um, the It Alex. Is that Alex Sarsgaard? Whoever It is, he was basically like he was like basically yeah, all of my brothers or whoever in our family were all related. So if you see Sarsgaard, we're probably related. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. I'm the entire family is doing quite well. Yeah, I mean so. I like this kind of show. I, I think it's interesting because we're, well, A, Netflix will have new content this summer. Yeah. I know that things are kind of petering out in some places and it might be like a dead zone coming up in terms of new TV, but not yet. Um, do you think this is the right amount of medieval fantasy? Too much medieval fantasy coming out of the heels of the, because the Netflix, by the way, is really committing to this stuff. Like oh, they yeah. had The yeah. Witcher. They had The Last Kingdom. Now they're doing a King Arthur show called Cursed. Like, they want to be the home for swords and wizards and all yeah. of these sorts of things. I you think it could their ambitions? work. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of crossover, obviously, because as young adult, as you said, they try yeah. to make it sexy and cool. Maybe a little bit like the CW. And I think Netflix's Outer Banks has been, well, I know it's been doing pretty well. And it's like kind of in the in line with that like racy, you know, teen sort of stuff. So if they can get it to be in line with that and hit on that like key demographic where they're like, you know, like Catherine Langford, we watched uh, 13 Reasons Why. So now yeah. she's pretty cool. Um, and I think it, it, it's worth selling. Like if somebody like me, I think it appeals to somebody like me because it doesn't seem to go all in 
on the fantasy aspect, it's also like, and it's a little bit CW. <laughs> I think they can, they've it got feels, the taste. It feels a little bit CW. It's kind of like King Arthur meets um, Riverdale a little bit. Yeah. It, it's a sense I get. I haven't seen it, obviously. No one's seen it. We actually a lot of comments on it. Um, as David confirms, Gustav Sarsgaard apparently is Floki on Vikings. So there you go. Camelot for Millennials, says Debbie Vlesmid. <laughs> fine yeah, with. I love that. And, as, and I connect with this. As Julie says, when they constantly make shows with sexy young things, it always feels like they are targeted at teenagers, which turns me off. I do get that sentiment. I mean, there are great shows, I'm sure, that have like younger casts. But I mean, I don't know. There's always something that kind of feels opportunistic about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, you see, you know, like a, a young woman rising out of the water all wet with a sword, and you do kind of feel like, who are they targeting with this? Yeah. Like, your gears sort of turn. Yeah, um, yeah, and I will say, it. King Arthur does not have a great track record at the movies lately, or on TV. There was that, That's like, right. god-awful King Arthur movie, I think in 2017, um, from Guy Ritchie, I think. Yeah, yeah. I forget who the main guy was was it charlie hunam it might have been it might have been i think jude law was in it too yeah yes he was he was the bad dude um personally i remember from my childhood the merlin miniseries with sam neill and miranda richardson which was just bomb yeah word describe that i did like in high school me and my friends were really into the bbc merlin um that a sexy Merlin show Oh, yeah, a little bit. It's fine. It's fine. What's <laughs> yeah. wrong with it? Yeah, but I think that one was that one's pretty cool. It's kind of niche to like Tumblr audiences and stuff like that. But I did like that one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is a um, a venerable, probably very public domain story. So it makes sense yeah. that we get like, are we telling over and over again? Um, and just, you know, it's always good to keep you guys appraised of upcoming fantasy stuff that's coming out. I was going to say, my favorite is the Warlord Chronicles by Bernard Cornell, which Epics is making as a show. That is such a good King Arthur thing. It's like really grounded and kind of like the Game of Thrones version of King Arthur. That would be the one that I would pick. And I say it right now, like apparently there's a Netflix King Arthur yes. and an Epics coming out. There's another one, isn't it? The uh, the Green Knight. It's an A24. Oh, right. Yeah, with Death Patel. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming out too. Yeah. That's like... Another and A twenty four is great. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's never too late for a King Arthur revival. I think it's, a, it's probably a good time right now in the wake of Game of Thrones and everything. We're all trying to do the next big fantasy thing, so it makes sense it's coming back. Um, I hope Cursed is good. I'm iffy about whether it will be. Jacqueline says yes. PBC Merlin loved it. So there, we have some stuff. Mm-hmm. Julie says. That's exactly what I mean, Dan. I love young people, but I like some maturity to balance it out. And yeah, I agree. It's just, you know, like very few stories are populated just by people who are 16 and under. Like usually there's some balance in there. And it makes me a little suspicious when it's nothing but kids. But also I'm old. So maybe the 13-year-olds love this. So I'm not going right, to stop. Yeah. Right? All right. Any other thoughts on it? On, on King Arthur, Mia? Have you ever thought? Uh, you know, I don't have that many thoughts on King Arthur, so I'll, maybe I'll save them for, for another day. Okay. <laughs> we may have to get um, learned on it. There's a lot of literature there. There's a lot of oh, classic French. I'll be reading like a scroll, stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, what about a bit more of a uh, modern fantasy series? It is a Star Wars thing, but not exactly. It's the Mandalorian, the first ever live-action Star Wars show starring um, a grizzled bounty-hunting badass and his tiny, itty-bitty, green baby sidekick, Baby Yoda. Um, great first season. I, I've said it before. Really, really loved it. I wanted to bring it up now because we're getting a, a better picture of the cast for the second season, which Disney is assured is going to come out this October on schedule. And I'm starting to get a little concerned, Mia, because they are packing it with familiar Star Wars characters. Yeah. So in the Mandalorian season two, we know that the Mandalorian is going to return with baby Yoda. We assume, but we're also going to get Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano, which we talked about before. We're also getting Tamura Morrison as Boba Fett. Boba Fett, the badass bounty hunter, you know, face yeah. man who fell into a big sand pit in Return of the Jedi. He's coming back somehow. And I'm sure Star Wars folk can tell me how he survived and the stories from the books or whatever. Like, I don't care, man. He fell into a sand pit and he died. Like, they, they're going to get them out of that somehow. They're going to bring back um, Katie Sackhoff from... Pedalstar Galactica is going to be on as a character named Bo Katen Kreez from the Clone Wars show. Mm-hmm. And a couple more Clone Wars people are going to be on there as well. Now, first of all, do you recognize these folk? Um, I do recognize the Rebels one. I think it's Sabine Wren and Captain Rex. Only because I know that there's been a lot of like talk about those two people specifically. Mm-hmm. And it seems like clone. It seems like the Clone Wars fans are really excited to see that, and I don't blame them. You know, it's because no. you know you've had this as a cartoon show, and just to be like, even for Ahsoka, the opportunity to be like, hey, there's going to be a live action version of this. Uh, to me, feels kind of inclusive because Star Wars has always been live action, um, with the addition of these new animated shows. Personally, I. I'm really hoping that it doesn't ruin, I wouldn't say the integrity of a Mandalorian, but doesn't, you know, uh, kind of lift the veil of it being separate from, you know, what we would call the Skywalker saga. Yes. That is, I think like the small red light that's blinking in my head a bit. Like, mm-hmm. wait, you're not just going to like make this the Clone Wars sequel, are you? Cause this is its own show. I yeah. liked that it was its own show. My favorite thing about it was that it was its own show. And if we just bring in Boba Fett and Ahsoka and all these other people whose names I can't pronounce, like, is that just a way to kind of make it like every other Star Wars show part of like the fabric? Because the mm-hmm. whole, the great thing about the Mandalorian to me was that it was just so simple and pared down about these two characters doing their thing. And I didn't yeah. have to deal with like, Baby Yoda isn't Palpatine's like great grandson or whatever. And <laughs> right. like no one's related to anybody that we know. It was all new. And I would hate um if the show kind of became a little more incestuous um by yeah. bringing in these other people. I really wonder if this is like a upper management <laughs> decision <laughs> from them Maybe. being like Kathleen Kennedy or somebody being like, wow, this was so insanely popular. We never would have imagined. Why don't we kind of use this next season as a springboard to do this spinoff and that spinoff and set up this new universe. And it's kind of like 
maybe you don't need to do that. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Um, I don't know if that's something that, you know, John Favreau or anybody else was, you know, at a lower level, maybe not on board with, or maybe they are on board with it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, to me, it's starting to sound like a big fat corporate decision. (laughs) And that would be so rough. I mean, look, like, when Disney higher ups tell you to jump, you ask how high. Like you yeah. don't fight that if you're making the show. I mean, we were talking about it on uh, the Take the Black podcast with uh, David Razor Harris the other night up on the Wick uh, Wick site right now, and I think Corey Smith did point out uh, a podcaster on that show, another Wick writer, great Wick writer, that in the first season they did have like these little cameos throughout. Yeah. Um, like Werner Herzog and Amy Sedaris and Bill Burr and um, Apollo Creed and a couple of people. And they didn't really detract from the kind of the main story. So maybe they're just going to bring these guys in as like little flybys and little like cameos. Yeah. And that I'd be okay with as long as they don't like consume the story with their, with their business. Yeah. David actually has a kind of counterpoint, so to speak in the chat he says the great thing about the new characters coming on mando season two is that they're all mandalorian and mandalorian adjacent characters Bo-Katan was the last one wielder of the dark saber before her sabine red so that makes sense there is a, sure. it, it, it's it is saying that you know these are i guess at the end of the day in one way or another they're gonna be connected so you sure. may as well not complain about it and just embrace it. <laughs> and I, I, I think the, the best case scenario, obviously, is that those little cameos don't detract from the overall feel of the show and that they enhance to it. And that's hopefully the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I, 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 I hope you're right. And I, I will say I, I did really love the first season, so mm-hmm. I'm happy to trust them for now. Right. Yeah. Um. I'm happy to trust where it's going and we'll see in October if that bears fruit. And finally, Mia, um, you are watching a new show out on is it TNT, TNT or TBS. Yeah. Right, TNT. TNT. Yeah. Good old sister station of HBO. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, it is. Isn't it? Warner? Oh yeah. in the Warner family. Uh, Snowpiercer, which is based on the Netflix movie by, Oscar-winning Parasite director Boong Joon-ho, who is really, really good, but is the show based on his movie any good? Oh what man, did you see? You saw? Did you see the movie? Oh yeah, yeah, okay. I saw the movie. I, I and that's like a 2013 show. movie. Okay, yeah, the show comes out May 15th. Um, oh gosh, what is today? I don't even know anymore. 13th. Just kidding. It comes out on the 17th. It comes out on Sunday. Um, and it is Sunday. basically the same sort of premise uh, to the movie. You've got this train, you know, it's like a thousand and one, I believe, <laughs> cars long. And it's set in this kind of post-apocalyptic world where everything is frozen. And so these elite group of people, um, first, second, third class, and then kind of like the immigrants who snuck on the train are all aboard. And they want to, the people in the back, lower class wants to revolt. My problem, okay. <laughs> start off the game with that I have a problem with this, <laughs> is that it just doesn't, I feel like it doesn't kind of capture, I don't know if magic is the right word, the magic of the movie, right. um, or the originality of the movie, but 
the overall premise, it starts off with David Diggs, who plays kind of the lead. He's the like leader of the, the tail. He's the people in the back. Right. Um, and they bring him up to the front of the train to solve a murder. Ooh. And so it's, it, it, it's like, in theory, it sh- maybe could be interesting, but it just doesn't, to me, it just doesn't take off. And it's been hard for me to kind of feel invested <laughs> in this. And I don't know if it's half of it kind of feels like maybe this isn't the right role for David Diggs. Um, hmm. Because he is kind of a lighthearted guy. You know, he played Thomas Jefferson in Hamilton. He's an amazing singer. Um, he did a little bit of comedy in Blackish, and um, he's in another Apple TV Plus show. But in this, he's oh, trying to God. play like, uh, yeah, the simple part. Yeah. So all that, that's V Diggs. And so this one, he's trying to be like a grizzled detective, and it just does not fit him. It <laughs> seems like he's too good to this role (laughs) that's that's Um, quite an indictment yeah yeah (laughs) um and so then as well it's kind of like the world building you've got this train you've got endless possibilities it just it hops around a lot so we don't really get to spend too much time with one class or the other they're just kind of like literally breezing through train cars trying to solve a Mm. murder and then all these other like little side plots get stacked on top of one another. So it, I've been binging through the whole season. I've got two more episodes to watch, but unfortunately it is kind of hard for me to recommend this series, especially like if you're a fan of Snowpiercer or wanted to, or curious about it. That's unfortunate. Um, How many episodes did you get to watch? Uh, they gave me all 10 episodes. Oh, so really? Far, yeah. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm going to be finishing up eight, I mean, nine and 10 today. And it, I, I usually can like binge something pretty fast if it's for review, but this one I have been dragging and I feel like so, <laughs> so terribly bad about it. <laughs> okay. So that is yeah. definitely a non-recommendation. As Lisa says, the movie was fantastic. I like the idea of going beyond the movie but just not sure how much you can squeeze out of a storyline that takes place on a train. I'll still give it a watch. That does sound like a good point. Like, yeah, listen, your, your, your places you can go are pretty limited. It is very limited. <laughs> also uh, budget conscious though, maybe cheaper to make than usual. I think so. Yeah. You really, all you have to worry about is the set and every now and then you can throw in some CGI, you know, the train is going off the tracks or, you know, it's running through the mountains. It seems, you know, that's if, if they need a plot device, let's shake up the train. <laughs> it's train. It's snowing real hard. Uh, but yeah, it, oh man, I really had like some high hopes for it because it is an, an interesting sort of concept. You know, what would, what would be going on if the train was, you know, in a train circling the globe and there's really no way to stop. And I think the fact that they contained themselves into just being CSI law and order, but extend, you know, (laughs) law and order has distinct 45 minute episodes and, you know, it's over. This is kind of dragging out over the course of 10 episodes, which I think to me is like really a little bit too drawn out for this type of show. So (sighs) yeah. Anyway, well, it's airing this Sunday. If you want (laughs) to give it a try, you're proving wrong. (laughs) It's really lame. On this Sunday on TNT. Yeah. TNT. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't like it more. I'm still liking Penny Dreadful City of Angels. Um, yeah. it, 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 it's still, it, it's kind of, sl- it's, it's a slow burn show, mm. but it's 
even when it's not really like barely important in the plot, it's really fun to watch. Like they had this amazing um, kind of like uh, Pachuo Chicano dance number in the last episode where it was like a full ballroom dance thing. Like these bright colors. It looked like out of like a 1950s musical. I mean, it was great. Um, <laughs> Natalie Dormer still killing it as the multiple roles. She's really doing a good job. And the story is, is uh, compelling, although it is like a, a slow burner of a show, which I'm fine with. Um, like in that, I'm sorry, I didn't like Snowpiercer more. Any other things you want to you wanna touch on me before we sign off for the day? Um, no, oh, I feel like I should announce everybody that yesterday I was in the Central Park um, interview roundtable where Stanley Tucci was there. Mm. Unfortunately, you could only ask one question. Also, David Diggs was in that. <laughs> but you could only ask one question per journalist, and that was it. So I didn't get to ask him about cocktails hmm. or anything fun like that. But that was... Um, it was a nice interview to kind of like do something that was more cartoon comedy based. It's based on the guy um, or it's from the guy who made Bob's burgers. Cool. Uh, that'll be coming on Apple TV plus if anybody has that. Beautiful. <laughs> so that is what's been going on with me. I mentioned that Richard, our super producer um, pointed out another King Arthur thing. The kid who would be King from last year. Remember that it was, what if King Arthur, but he was a kid in today. So that kind of went over. With oh, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. You remember I remember it. seeing that trailer. Me too. And that was I it. <laughs> I don't recall it coming out, but I remember the trailer. Yeah. It never really came out in this dimension. It just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're like at lost in like the COVID thing. Yeah. Richard liked it, but I'm not. Um, again, King Arthur, public domain, very easy to make things out of. So it makes sense for someone to do it. I, I've loved King Arthur stuff before. I, I love yeah. the Chronicles. Anyway, um, that's about our show for today, folks. If you're interested in getting more articles, extra articles, extra videos that we do every month, feel free to sign up for the Wick Club. I left a link in the discussion. Um, and if you want to ask us a question, you can do it here, obviously, or go to iTunes, leave a review with a million star rating and ask us one there. We can discuss it. We might even do like an all question episode. I thought about doing that. That could be kind of fun. Like it's yeah. just talking to people. We can like put, a, th we can put a, like a, a thing on Twitter or something or on iTunes or right here. If you're interested in that, let us know. Other than that, we are here every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Winner is Coming Facebook page. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you next week. Peace. Bye.